Welcome to season four of The Culture of Kindness. My name is Nahala Summers and I am your host. A culture of kindness is based on the idea that by bringing kindness into leadership, we reduce stress, anxiety, make happier workplaces, and in turn, improve the bottom line for any organization or institution. It is a book, leadership program, accreditation, and of course, this wonderful podcast. Kindness has been my life's work since I founded the social movement for kindness back in 2012 called Sunshine People. And it has kept me interested on what people have to say on the complexities of kindness ever since. The guest lineup is exceptional. From politicians to social media influencers, best-selling authors to BBC presenters, an eclectic mix of people who all have completely different views on kindness, how we get it and where the world is currently at. If you enjoy this episode, then please do show your support for kindness by subscribing to the podcast, leave a five-star review or simply invest in the book, aptly named A Culture of Kindness, available on Amazon. Thanks so much. I hope you enjoy. Saba, welcome to A Culture of Kindness, season four. Um, I'm really excited to speak to you about your work, about your book. Um, I'm just, I think it's, uh, I'm not going to spoil it because I don't <laughs> going to keep people enticed into, into what you're working on and what your work is all about. Um, I've definitely got some thoughts on that as well. I'm really uh, looking forward to talking to you about it. But I guess before we get on to that, Maybe you could just share about, you know, who are you and uh, and what makes you happy? Sure. Well, thank you so much for inviting me on. I mean, I love what you do. And season four, congratulations. <laughs> the more word spreading that goes on, the better, frankly, about kindness and all that means and all its different guises. So, yes, thank you. I am Sabah Salman. I'm a, an, an author. I'm an editor. I'm a journalist. I am a sibling. Um, so my younger sister Rana, about whom I'm sure we will move on to, uh, she has a learning disability and um, yeah, I, I love writing, I love my family and my friends and I'm delighted to be here. Oh, amazing. So let's, yeah, let's talk about it. Let's talk about your sister who I, who I presume was the inspiration behind the book Let's talk about the book. Let's, you know, I'd love to just share a little bit more about that. Sure. Well, I love talking about my sister um, and with her is even better. But uh, due to the current restrictions, it's obviously very difficult to sort of meet face to face and all those things. But yes, so we'll begin with with Rana. Rana is my younger sister. Um, so she is a baker. She's a maker. She um, loves woodwork, she loves music, she loves a good party. Um, music she listens to very, very loud. Um, and she's lots and lots of things. Um, and she also happens to have a learning disability called Fragile X Syndrome. And it's really important to me that when I talk about her um, and my family, you know, we, we don't introduce her as somebody who has a label. You know, she is she is Rana. She's all of those things. She's got such a kind of engaging personality. She's funny, intentionally funny. 
Um, and yes, she does really inspire and, and drive my work. Um, so I write, broadly speaking, about social issues, but the older that I've become and the more involved I become in my sister's care, the more she informs that work. So I tend to write a, a lot about sort of care and support issues and the possibilities um, of, uh, well, Rana's potential, basically, and the potential of, of all of us, regardless of any support need that we have. Um, and she has, um, as you said, she has inspired um, my recent book, which is called Made Possible. Uh, there you go, the possibility. It's all about the possibility. Uh, it's called Made Possible, and it's an anthology of stories about success by learning disabled people in their own words. And it just wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Rana. Yeah. So the book Made Possible, is there, does kindness underlie what, um, within that book, within the book, do you feel that there is this kind of theme of kindness that runs through it? I think, I think broadly speaking, absolutely. I, I wouldn't necessarily call it kindness per se, because I think for some people it can, um, it's not a patronizing book. It's not a book about let's all be kind to people because they're disabled. But kindness runs through it in terms of the broader sense of compassion, awareness, understanding and tolerance. And so those are the, are the key drivers really, and those are the messages. And I think kindness in relation to this book is a really interesting concept because it's not just about let's tolerate people who perhaps need a bit of support now and again. It's actually about let's value them as people who can offer that kindness back yeah. you know so it's not just um you know we need to be kind to someone because they have a learning disability or they have a disability we need to tolerate them uh it's the recognition that they also have the resilience mm. inherently to offer that support back and it's kindness is a two-way street i i think yeah. for me and i've i found that with my sister but also working with the the contributors to, to my book, particularly through this whole COVID period. It's exactly as you say, though, you know, so there's this kind of misconception. And as I research it more and talk to more and more people, kindness has more and more facets to it. Um, and and I absolutely agree with you. I, kindness does not just it's not about just being, you know, that tolerance of, of something. I don't I don't think kindness sits in that at all. But compassion comes up time and time again when we talk about it within society um, about having compassion. And and I talk about um empathy is one of the seven core values from my research quite early on. And um empathy and you know I, I I am not directly involved with um those people who have learning challenges or you know so I, I don't want to talk out of turn and I don't want to offend anyone when I say this but as I see it and in a, in a very simplistic form I have seen people who have down syndrome for example and their empathy levels are off the charts. Their ability to be able to tune in to how somebody else might be feeling, their ability to express is 
something that actually I think we should all be learning from and that actually we need to do more of. Everybody needs to do more of that. And so I also think to myself that those people who are deemed as having learning uh, challenges or difficulties have things that everybody needs to start learning from themselves in terms of improving the way that they interact. I don't I understand that with Down syndrome, there are many, many other challenges, but to and, and I'm not making it simplistic in any way. But but, you know, it's that's one example for me that I think actually we should all be looking at not labeling, as you said, but taking bits from everybody, not just those with learning difficulties, but, you know, different cultures and different people in different countries. You look at Burma, you look at all these different people doing different things, New Zealand, and we're taking on those as learnings. I don't know whether, I hope I haven't offended or, or anything. No, not, no, not in the slightest, because what you're talking about, I think, is... Um, an acknowledgement that everyone has the potential mm. to to offer that you know we're all you know my sister has an unlimited resource and it's it's about unlocking that and and appreciating it so you know i think part of part of that feeling that oh you know i didn't realize that someone who you know has down syndrome or whatever other um sort of support issue there may be or learning challenge Oh, of course, yeah, they can empathise. And I think that's because as a society, we're sort of conditioned to put people in these labels. And I'm certainly not saying that's what you're doing at all. I completely understand what you're saying and I agree with it. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, we shouldn't be surprised that someone who has a challenge of some sort has, has the ability to empathise, to offer support, to understand. I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example of, of my sister. So, so Rana's um, uh, diagnosis, which is a, a dreadful word, you know, she doesn't have a medical condition, but her, her support need is, is fragile X syndrome. And this is a, um, a chromosomal um, issue and it affects her, um, her, her learning. Um, so her capacity to communicate, um, spatial awareness, all those sorts of things. And sometimes it is confused with the autistic sort of spectrum there are some sort of traits um but rana a few years ago we had um very sad uh, death in our family my, my uncle passed away and um obviously everyone was was grieving and um it was i think the first death of someone really close to us in our family that you know rana had experienced so we were all quite worried about how she would react to this how would she process it how do we talk to her um you know so we were sort of taking some advice from her amazing support workers where she lives um she lives in supported housing which is a mixture of um housing and, and visiting care so we were talking to them about it and in the middle of all of this we had a call from one of the support workers to say um that rana had been sitting at the dining table talking to her housemates about her uncle and she had sat there and she had celebrated his life. She sat there and she was talking about, oh, my uncle did this and this was his pet name for me and this is what I used to call him. Um, he was in the Navy, so they used to have sort of officer status. Uh, they used to sort of tease each other with names and she was really close to him. And, and I think, you know, even I underestimated her capacity mm. 
to deal with those complex emotions at a time when we were all we were all over the place you know we didn't know how how we would how we were feeling and how we were talking to each other and more distant relations and oh goodness you know how are we going to speak to Rana about this she was showing us the way mm. and you know to underestimate that I think is to just to miss out really yeah. and I guess that's what we're talking about as well is that actually if, if if we do those things that you mentioned and we appreciate that people have all of those complex emotions and, and needs and and what they can offer actually we're kind of less well off because of that because we don't we don't you know use is the wrong word but we don't draw on that yeah yeah because we have all these other negativities with built within us that stops us from being able to share that emotion from being able to be vulnerable and empathize and we know through research that actually to empathize and to be vulnerable and to do all of these things to be able to grieve wholeheartedly and is is only healthy for us doing anything else causes us physical ailment and um it is fascinating to me that you know you there are many um perceived learning difficulties challenges where actually those people are absolutely exceptional at some key skills whether that's some emotional intelligence that they just focus in on it can be uh physical activities that they are just just exceptional um and uh and i find that fascinating you know and and so that's why i'm just completely fascinated in your work and and the book and i and i can't wait to i, I haven't long been back from my own challenge so uh i haven't had a chance yet but i that book is going to be on the list but oh, I, I hope you love it and it is um you know it's one of those books that you can dip into so it's yes. it's um i know everyone uses this word and it's very overused but it but it's relatable and i think you know, that links back to what we were talking about earlier, that actually these are stories of people. These are our fellow humans and um, the things that they talk about, whether that is that emotional resilience, whether it is, um, you know, going for the next career goal, whether it is about dealing with, with something, an issue in your family, whether it's about dealing with illness or getting married or breaking up or whatever it may be, you know, all of those things run through and so the idea is that, you know, it's an anthology. So you dip into it, take, take from it what you can. And, and it is, um, it does show what people can do. Yeah. That's the whole point of it. And, and I think this sense that, um, you know, we shouldn't be surprised that people can achieve these things, but actually we are because of how people with these challenges, um, with a learning disability, have been treated sort of, you know, decades and decades and decades ago. So it really is about changing those stereotypes and, and getting back to that, that key thing, which is that everyone has a contribution yeah. to make and everyone has, has a value, really. Yeah, absolutely. Changing the conditioning that we've got. And there are just so many parts of our society that I see are changing like that to get rid of this conditioning that carries on from years and years ago um but uh it we're, we're still do just have to keep going don't you we'll always have a little bit of it but it's certainly I think getting better um 
so maybe I don't know if you were able to share just something from the book or maybe a person or a story or you know something that just that you know you love to share about it is there a specific there is and I'm very happy I can either tell you about it or I can I can read from from the book um it's a it's a story about um, this really is going to entice you in to read the thing now isn't it (laughs) um this is um something that um reflects the idea of of the difference that you know a kind act can can make so um so the book is stories from from people who are learning disabled but um to sort of start the thing off i describe my sort of my family's personal story and and rana's voice sort of resonates throughout it i mean i will say that i did say to her did she want to write a story but she said no (laughs) i could (laughs) Could we just do it together? So, you know, I am her um, unofficial uh, PA and um, uh, goes for So there's a couple of things, um, I suppose. This is something about um, that idea that you mentioned about, you know, not realizing that actually everyone has those facets to our personality. We can empathize, we can be humorous. You know, we can, we can challenge. Um, so, this is when I, I asked Rana about how she felt about influencing the book. And um, she just said proud, which she's very minimal with language, Rana. She sort of says what she means and, you know, there's not a lot of meat around the bones there. But So I asked her how she felt about influencing this book. Proud was her short answer. Here is a characteristic exchange that hints at her sense of humour. And I should preface this by saying that um, she loves making up nicknames and where she lives, they have a minibus um, to sort of get around and pre-COVID. And she named one of the the minibuses Precious. So it's Precious is the name of the minibus. And the name has been adopted by her housemates and the staff. So, you know, Precious, Precious is the name. So, me, Tirana. What's the best thing about where you live? Rana, I get to do things I enjoy, like making stuff in pottery and baking, going out and eating out, also going to see shows. I enjoy washing precious. Me, how do you describe what you do? Rana, I'm a baker. Me, what do you like about baking? Rana, making the bread. Me, what do you like best about making bread? Rana, eating it. You know, um, and I mean, I suppose slightly more more seriously, um, I write in my introduction to the book about this idea of intolerance and the impact of that, you know, on a, on a day-to-day basis. So um, I just got another bit that I'd like, quite like to share, if that's okay. okay. Yeah. Um, so... Um, this is where we are sort of writing about how creating a better society um, means a transformation of public attitudes. Um, and particularly for people with learning disabilities, this should come alongside obviously improvements to health and, and social care. So it's as well as the mindsets, that physical, practical kind of um, support as well. So one of my essay, essayists, Laura, who's a fine artist, whose work is incredible. 
um, she says in her essay that society treats you a bit like a child if you have a learning disability. And as research proves, the reality is that the majority of people feel uncomfortable sitting next to someone like Rana or Laura in a cinema or show. And the research is that I think uh, from a few years ago, um, there was a survey that showed 70% of people said they would feel uncomfortable sitting next to someone like my sister. So you can imagine how this makes me feel anyway. Um, so it was on a Saturday night in a theater in London's West End that my sister and I experienced just how uncomfortable people can get about people with learning disabilities. I'd taken Rana to see her favorite show, Grease the Musical. She'd seen it before, but her familiarity with the lyrics and dance sequences only added to her enjoyment. Rana doesn't like crowds, but she was so excited. She'd shot determinately through Piccadilly, wielding her rolled up souvenir program from a previous show like a crowd dispersal baton, muttering out the way to nobody in particular. As the curtain rose, she began slapping her thigh in time to the music, clapping, whooping and singing, word perfect. She was so happy that at one point she stood up, legs spread wide, arms outstretched, and inspired by the moves to the song Grease Lightning, swept one finger across the horizon, left to right. Unfortunately, her enthusiasm didn't go down well with the people sitting in front of us, several of whom began string, shooting us irritated glances and tutting. Finally, two women turned round, hissed a vitriolic shh, and gestured angrily for my sister to sit down. Rana looked confused. What exactly would you like me to do? I fired back through clenched teeth. Before the women could reply, an older lady next to me put her hand on mine and whispered calmly, but loudly enough for my sister's detractors to hear. She's special, let her be. She told me Rana was only doing what other people would do if they weren't so uptight adding that she had a granddaughter with autism. She was mercifully part of the 30% of people who do feel comfortable sitting next to someone with a learning disability and Rana happily finger clicked and toe tapped her way through the remaining numbers. So, you know, it was only a small moment, but the emotions I went through sitting with her from mild irritation to absolute fury. And then for all of that, with the touch of this lady's hand, this older lady who's sitting next to me, and in one moment, and I genuinely, and I, I this isn't in the book, but I thought oh, she's gonna say something else, isn't it? She's gonna say to me, can you ask her to, to shut up? Yeah. But she didn't, she just said, Let, and, you know, she then went on to start finger clicking and moving around, you know, and we're not talking about Chekhov at the National Theatre. <laughs> this is Greece. It was Greece. Um, you know, it's not my choice, not my cup of tea, but I had taken my sister because she absolutely loves it. She's a super fan. Yeah. So, you know, and that, I think, obviously there are huge, huge examples of serious unkindness. Yeah. Um, this is just a tiny, tiny example of what that intolerance, someone else's irritation, 
the impact that that can have. You know, my sister had the right to be sitting in that theatre and to be enjoying herself. And I was proud to be there with her because I knew we were doing something. I mean, I grew up with Rana not being able to do the things that perhaps I thought I would do, like, you know, take her to a first gig because she's very sensitive with, with noise. So to get to a place where in her 20s, she wants to go and see a cheesy West End Saturday night musical with me was amazing and I just wanted her to enjoy it and you know that is why we we just need people to think think twice and and actually not have that fear because I think that's what that was about it wasn't just oh she wasn't making a noise she was just enjoying herself yeah but they could tell that there was something a little bit different about her you know, and what I say in the book is it's, um, it's actually a phrase borrowed from a, another writer called Andy Merriman, who's written extensively about Down syndrome and his daughter has Down syndrome and is an incredible individual. And he said, you know, it's that idea of someone who's different being dangerous. Yeah. And they're not. Yeah. It's the unfamiliar. It's the way that our brain works. Yeah. Um, it's that conditioning, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, absolutely, incredibly uh, moving story I'm completely moved I hope that people who have listened to that story um, feel that they will take it on board remember it and have tolerance because their automatic reaction might be fearful or you know I'll stop rather than just looking on and, and getting up and dancing as well you know that you could have had the whole theatre up and instead they had intolerance um, and that's incredibly sad. And I hope I hope people who are listening take something amazing away from that. Um, we are already at our time, and I'm incredibly sad about that because I just think uh, you must have so many stories from that book. But people need to go out and buy the book um, and support that message and keep talking about it. Keep talking about uh, your message. So I guess to end... Um, I'd love to share what, what a culture of kindness means to you. I think it goes back to that, that awareness and understanding and open, open mindset, really. Um, because I think once you change that attitude and allow yourself to not have that fear about someone who is different, I'm talking very specifically about my experience, which is, being a sibling of someone who has a, a disability. I think once you do that, you know, what you gain is phenomenal. Um, you, you mentioned the story I just shared. I mean, the joy that can come from witnessing something like that, the pride, you know, from a selfish point of view, that's why I wouldn't bat an eyelid to take Rana back to, to something like that. Mm because of, of how it makes me feel and how it shows people that, you know, this is a really happy, secure person. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think, yeah a culture of kindness is, is the two things. It's being open to other people, being aware that just because someone is behaving a little bit differently, there's, there's probably a reason for it, don't be scared. Mm -hmm. But also to understand that if you do that, actually what you gain is really something worthwhile and and that's what the the book says that you know 
if the people who share their stories in the book had not been enabled and supported to achieve these amazing things, whether that's the fine art, whether it's the soul singing, whether it's making the film, whether it's campaigning for civil rights, whether it's being a politician, um, you know, our society would be, would be much, much worse off and not diverse. And surely that's what it's all about, that we all have something to contribute and we all have the right to achieve that. Yeah. Amazing. What an incredible episode. Thank you so much. I'm completely moved. I know for the rest of the day, I will be affected by your work and your story. Thank your sister so much. Um, and um, yeah, the book Made Possible. Um, I'm sure that anyone can look it up and, and get a copy from, from all good book uh, retailers. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I've loved speaking with you. Thank you so much for listening. If you have loved this episode, please do share it with others. Pop on and give a lovely review, but mostly take forwards into your life something that can change someone else's. We are looking for the elusive happiness and kindness is the action that can get us there.